our full production team. We're thankful for every one of them and all that they do. Haggai chapter 2. I'm going to ask you this morning to, once we read the scripture, to just leave your Bibles open there. Beginning at verse 1, it says, In the seventh month, in the one and twentieth day of the month, came the word of the Lord by the prophet Haggai, saying, Speak now to Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and to Joshua, the son of Jozadak, the high priest, and to the residue of the people, saying, Who is left among you that saw this house in her first glory? And how do you see it now? Is it not in your eyes in comparison of it as nothing? Yet now be strong, O Zerubbabel, saith the Lord, and be strong, O Joshua, son of Jozadak, the high priest, and be strong, all ye people of the land, saith the Lord, and work, for I am with you, saith the Lord of hosts. I love this next verse. According to the word that I covenanted with you when you came out of Egypt, so my spirit remains among you, Fear ye not. For thus saith the Lord of hosts, yet once it is a little while, and I will shake the heavens and the earth and the sea and the dry land. And I will shake all nations. I want you to notice this next phrase. And the desire of all nations shall come. And I will fill this house with glory, saith the Lord of hosts. The silver is mine and the gold is mine, saith the Lord of hosts. Notice this phrase. The glory of this latter house shall be greater than of the former, saith the Lord of hosts. And in this place will I give peace, saith the Lord of hosts. Father, we need you now. Speak to us for these few moments together. May the word of the Lord come alive in our spirit and in our heart. May we be encouraged. May we be strengthened. May we be helped in our time of need. We give glory and honor and praise to you for these blessings. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. While we wait to all gather again in the temple... I want to speak to you this morning for a few moments on the glory in your temple. As I asked you to leave your Bibles open or your electronic devices to this passage of Scripture, I want to point out three all-important phrases. One phrase is found in verse 7. It says, And they shall come to the desire of all nations. Two phrases in verse 9. The glory of this latter temple shall be greater than the former. And in this place, I will give peace. The temple is such a sacred place, such a special place. We call it the church building. We hold this edifice in such high regard, and rightly, we should. While I know that the spiritual church 
is the people of God, I have always held in strong conviction that the church, the temple, the physical structure is the house of God. It is a sacred place, a place to be revered, a place to be honored. I want you to take the journey with me today. Some historical realities, some historical facts. I want to talk for a few moments about the first temple of majesty and grandeur. It had been 480 years since the Jews had left Egyptian bondage. And during those many centuries of history, the presence of God was residing in what was known as the tabernacle, a temporary housing for the presence of the Lord. But in 1012 B.C., King Solomon, with God's blessing and directive, he built the first temple that would house the presence of God and would also accommodate the worship and the sacrifices of the people of the Lord. Some of the description, and I'll give you a capsule version. But the temple was three stories high. There were stones that were used in the construction of this great edifice, this majestic temple, and they were finished at the quarry so that there was no sound of any hammer or iron tool at the construction site. It was a beautifully designed temple. It had wooden beams and winding staircases. It had cypress planks for flooring. The cedar paneling was decorated with with all kinds of flowers and carvings of gourds. Much of the temple was overlaid with pure gold throughout. If you study this and have studied this, you will find that there were two 15-foot tall angels that were made of olive wood that were placed in the inner sanctuary, almost like sentinels that were watching over the sacred place. And both of these 15-foot tall angels were overlaid with pure gold. All the walls in this beautiful edifice were decorated with carvings of angels and palm trees and flowers all overlaid with gold against the backdrop of these wooden cedar walls. It was such an edifice of beauty that it took seven years to complete the construction of this first temple of God. What a temple of majesty and grandeur. And for 426 years, over four centuries, the the nation of Israel, the people of God, enjoyed the temple of God that Solomon had built. But sadly, according to the Word of God and history in the Word, for much of this long period of time, the nation of Israel turned to idols and engraven images. There was a steady decline that would eventually lead to their captivity. In fact, Solomon himself, the king, after he had finished constructing this beautiful temple for God, had also built a shrine for his Egyptian wives and their idols just across the hill from where God's temple was. God would bring judgment down as a result of the people's sins. Ten of the twelve tribes of Israel would go into Assyrian captivity, never to return due to idol worship and disobedience to God. 
God would also punish two of the tribes of Israel known as Judah. And they would go into Babylonian captivity and for 70 years would be under Babylonian control and dominance. Nebuchadnezzar, the great king of Babylon, would come in and he would destroy this beautiful temple that had been built unto the glory of God's name. This, this edifice would be torn down, three stories tall, would be torn down to rubble piles. This first temple of, of majesty and grandeur would be completely leveled uh, to the ground, speaking to God's judgment and punishment upon the nation of Israel for their sins. That was the first temple. And then we read about a second temple that would come along at a later time. And I'm going to call this second temple, while I call the first that of majesty and grandeur, I'm going to call this second temple uh, the temple of mercy and grace. Because that nation of Judah had gone into 70 years of captivity and they were, they were just a, a small fraction of the people that they used to be. Uh, but in the meantime, a king from Persia had come along and conquered Babylon. And when the uh, 70 years had expired, by the grace of God and the mercy of God, by the direction of the Spirit of God, this king of Persia gave permission and blessing for the, the, the fraction of the Jews to be able to return to their homeland in Israel and to rebuild the temple of God. What a blessing it must have been. A fraction of the people, I don't know how many people were left. It was just a few thousand compared to the hundreds of thousands that used to be part of the nation of Israel. But now they've been given permission to go back and, and build, rebuild this edifice that is so beautiful. And, and so they return. They return to uh, Jerusalem and they return to Israel only to find just piles upon piles of rubble. Uh, but this place had to be built. This, play, this, this temple had to, had to come back. Now, I, I try to imagine this week the condition of the mental health of the people of God. Uh, they're, they're were, they were a small group, a few thousand at best. Their emotional stability, no doubt, they were beat down and discouraged. They had been, they had been disheartened and, and, and in captivity and under control of another nation, nowhere near the proud people. People that they used to be. Why is that? Because God had corrected his people and God had chastised his people. But you need to hear this today. God had not abandoned his people. There would be a remnant, a smaller group, however, under the leadership of a governor by the name of Zerubbabel, stay with me, and a high priest named Joshua, along with key prophets named Haggai and Zechariah that would, that would encourage the people and admonish the people, challenge the people to rebuild that temple. When I looked and I, I did some research, though, I found it odd this week that there is not much description given about the beauty and the grandeur of this rebuilt temple. I didn't find anything about 15 foot tall angels. I didn't read about special carvings in the wall or, or stones or, or uh, cypress flooring and no mention of anything being overlaid with gold. All I see when I read the scripture is quite the opposite, a very, a very vague impression. Quite the, quite the contrary. The, the clear impression that you get stuck is that this second temple is much, much inferior to the, to the first temple that had been destroyed. 
And when I was looking at that this week and the Lord was dealing with my heart, I began to see that this explains a lot when you look at the book of Ezra and, and, you, and you read as they were laying the foundation to this second temple. Listen to what Ezra says. He says in Ezra 3, verse 11 and 12, it, 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 they were rejoicing and they were excited. And the scripture says, and they sang together by course in praising and giving thanks unto the Lord because he is good for his mercy endures forever toward Israel. Israel and all the people shouted with a great shout. And when they praised the Lord because the foundation of the house of the Lord had, had been laid. But then watch this, and this is very important. This is a key point. Many of the ancient men that had seen the first temple, they began to sit down and weep with a loud voice when the foundation of the second temple was laid. In fact, the scripture says that the young men were shouting and rejoicing, but the old men were weeping, no doubt remembering. And I asked myself the question when I looked at that and I saw that. In fact, it was so profound that you could hardly separate. The noise was so loud between the young men shouting and the old men weeping. And I, I asked myself the question, why were the old men crying? Why were they, were they weeping? And then the Holy Spirit revealed to me through study that these old men remembered the splendor of Solomon's temple. It had been 66 years that since that temple, since they had been in that temple. They remember, they remember uh, that uh, the grandeur and the majesty. But all these past years, they've been in captivity, in bondage, and now they've been admonished to go home and rebuild the temple. They remembered, and they knew that this second temple was going to be so inferior to the first temple. It was much smaller of a remnant of a nation. Nowhere near the resources that had Solomon, Solomon had years earlier. And no doubt they thought this second temple will just not be the same. Ah, but then God raised up a prophet by the name of Haggai and some powerful words were spoken by this prophet and this is what he said by the spirit of the Lord he said the glory of this latter temple shall be greater it's going to surpass the glory of the former temple how could this be this second temple is so inferior it's smaller it's so much less in beauty and, and grandeur and size how could there be greater glory in a less temple, in an inferior temple? As I was pondering that this week, I thought, well, maybe it will be a, a greater glory cloud. The first temple had a glory cloud so powerful that the priest couldn't even minister in the temple. So maybe God's going to send a greater glory cloud to the second temple. And maybe I thought, you know, maybe the post of the door of this temple will shake more violently than, than perhaps the first one did. Maybe the glory cloud in the second temple will last longer than the first time the glory cloud filled Solomon's temple. But then as I was reading and studying and preparing this week, these phrases just kept coming into my spirit. The glory of the latter will be greater than the former. And, and they shall come to the desire of all nations and in this place I will give 
peace. How can this place be the desire of all nations? How can this temple, this second temple, have more glory than the first temple? How can this temple be a place of peace. And then as I was praying and pondering through that, the prophetic word came to reality. And this was the realization because 500 years later, Jesus walked in to that second temple. Well, praise the Lord. I'm about to have a fit up here. Jesus walked into that, se that second temple. You see, the glory cloud is one experience but Jesus, the glory of all heaven coming in, that's a whole new experience. When you have Jesus, when you have God in the flesh walking into the temple, it's ten times, it's a hundred times, it's a thousand times greater than the best mist or glory cloud from on high. It's the presence of Jesus walking into the second temple of mercy and grace. I got all excited about this because I realized that in the second temple, Jesus confounded the religious leaders because he was the word made flesh. In the second temple, Matthew 21, 14 tells us the blind were healed because Jesus is the light of the world. In the second temple, Matthew 21, 14 tells us the lame were healed because Jesus is the restorer of the one who is crippled. In the second temple, uh, demons were cast out by Jesus. And I tell you, once demons are cast out, you can't help but see peace come into the life of an individual that has been delivered from Satan's claws. When I was looking at this, I came to this sudden realization that as beautiful as the first temple was, I don't remember reading about any blinded eyes being opened or any lame walking or any demons cast out. I don't remember any reading about any kind of deliverance or any kind of miracles that you and I associate with in the first temple. I don't see it anywhere, but I'm telling you Haggai 2 verse 9 and 10 was fulfilled the day Jesus walked into the temple because he is the latter glory of the temple, because he is the desire of all nations, because he is the peace speaker, the peace giver, the peace provider. The word says he is our peace who has broken down every wall of partition. I'll tell you why. The second temple is greater than the first temple. It's because we don't just have an occasional touch from God in a glory cloud. We have all of the glory of heaven wrapped up in Jesus Christ that walks into our temple week in and week out and we can experience his presence. Thank God I am part of the second temple of mercy and grace. Praise the Lord. Jesus is the glory of the temple. Jesus is the glory of our temple. He said, and in this place, I will give peace. <laughs> First temple of majesty and grandeur. The second temple of mercy and grace. But let me just tell you, about a third temple. Once again, we know that Solomon's temple was destroyed. And you know, truth is, the second temple will also be destroyed by the Romans. 
And there is a strong biblical teaching, and I completely agree with it, that one day there will be a third temple built in Jerusalem during the millennial reign of Christ. But having said that, I am convinced that what started in the tabernacle in Moses' time, a temporary and portable place for God, to Solomon's temple, the grandest structure filled with God's glory, to the rebuilt temple under Zerubbabel where Jesus would enter bringing God's word and miracles and signs and wonders, continues to us today. We are the temple. We are the third temple. We are the spiritual house that God lives in. You say, well, we're not brick and mortar. Let me tell you something. Paul wrote and said, know ye not that your bodies are a temple of the Holy Spirit. Peter writes about us building up a a spiritual house. The day I asked Jesus Christ into my heart, my torn up heart, I became, you became the temple of the Lord. And here's truth. I don't have to just experience an occasional touch of his glory from on high. I am, you are, the third habitation. You are the third temple. You are the dwelling place for the glory of heaven. The desire of heaven that Haggai talked about lives inside of every child of God. The glory of all heaven lives and is resident inside of you. And in this place, in your heart, he said, I will give peace. In that first temple, there was a glory cloud, but then it would dissipate. In the second temple, while he was on the earth, Jesus would do miracles in the temple. At 12, at 30, at 31, 32, and 33, he would do miracles But he was going to and and from the temple. He was also performing miracles in the wilderness and on the hillsides and in the mountains and on the, the Sea of Galilee. But I'm telling you today why you're the third temple. Because it's not just about an occasional touch of God's glory. And it's not just about an occasional visitation from Jesus. It's not just about him performing a miracle and then you don't hear from him for a few more weeks. (laughs) Hallelujah. I'm telling you, he abides with me. He's inside of me. He's inside of you. You can find him at 3 o'clock in the afternoon as well as 3 o'clock in the morning. (laughs) And that's why in this place, your heart, you... You, the third temple, you, the habitation of the glory of heaven. God wants you to live in perpetual peace. That's why you have peace during COVID-19. That's why you have peace, yes, during unemployment. Yes, during uncertainty. Yes, when you... When you feel like you're unnerved because of what's going on around you, you just rise up and say, you know what? 
I'm the third temple of the habitation of the glory of heaven. I don't just have the mist from heaven. I have the God in the flesh living inside of me. I have all of the glory of heaven resident within my heart. And he said when he left this earth that when he lived in me through his spirit, he said, my peace I will leave with you. Perpetual peace. Peace is in this temple because God prophesied it would be. There's glory in your temple. The desire of all nations is inside of you. In you, his place prophesied 500 years before he came, I will give you peace. People say, I, I'm getting ready to close, but people say, I, I can't wait to get back to church. People ask, what will it be like when we come back together? Will they flock to the house of God? They come in gradually. What will praise and worship be like? What will altar services look like? How will the music be responded to? It's a longing of everyone's heart and no less my heart. I tell you what. When we do come back together, literally, physically, bodily, in this beautiful edifice, the church, the 21st century temple that we enjoy week after week with all of its amenities, I want to tell you, do we want a greater measure of praise, a greater measure of music, a greater measure of preaching, a greater measure of excitement, a greater measure of fellowship? Or is it safe to say that what we really want is just more of Jesus? <laughs> that if we can just have more of Jesus, all the rest of it will take care of itself. You and I are the third temples. Let's house the latter glory of heaven with excellence. host the peace speaker with consistency and refuse by the Spirit of God refuse to have our emotions dictated by media by our circumstances by our surroundings because he said in this place I'll give you peace you are the third temple you have the peace speaker inside of you Let's host the desire of all nations during this time so that others are attracted not to us but to the Jesus living inside of us. He is our way maker today. 
He is our way maker today. Worship. Worship right where you are. Worship right where you are.